You give Teller from Jerusalem 20 minutes, and he'll give you the education of a lifetime. King of the storytellers and the Shakespeare of the Torah world, here is Rabbi Hanok Teller. Hello out there in podcast land. Welcome to Teller from Jerusalem. And today's episode concerns our component of character improvement as we begin to tackle the subject of criticism. How to criticize someone properly so that it'll be efficacious, useful, productive, and appreciated. I've been composing this episode for weeks and thinking about it for hours every day. This has given me the opportunity to try out in real time the ideas that we're about to express. Furthermore, because I am an educator, my default is to point out to people when they are erring. I have not bought into the prevalent attitude of mind your own business, as this is the mindset of one who truly does not care about his fellow person. Certainly not the mindset of those who love their fellow person. When all this has taught me is that basically all the years, I'm 27 now, all my years I've been been doing almost everything wrong. It's a pity I had to wait till 27 to figure this all out, but as the expression goes, better late than never. I bless this opportunity to finally get around to doing things the right way. I hope you're going to join me in improving how we criticize others. But as the mortal rules of Rabbi Yisrael Salanter, he said, if you discuss issues of moral sensitivity, of character improvement, for 20 minutes and even just one person listens, it's all worthwhile, even if that one person is the speaker. Let me just offer one note, and that is, I'm going to be giving plenty of examples, and if you think that I'm top-heavy and blaming women or wives, it is not true. I went through what I wrote quite carefully, and I'm exactly 50-50 even. There's a verse in Proverbs 8 which reads, Do not rebuke a scoffer lest he hate you. Rebuke a wise man, and he will love you. The words of King Solomon, the author of Proverbs, reads like a verse in the Talmud which says, Just like there is a mitzvah, there is a meritorious action to do, to say something which is beneficial, it's also meritorious to refrain from something which is not beneficial. We have to know when to say something, and also careful not to say something which will not be listened to. Now let's go back to that verb in Proverbs. The scoffer is a cynic. The one who shamelessly likes to undo the proper order, but who wishes to unravel the good accomplished by others. There is a charitable assembly, for example, and afterwards the speaker explains how great the need is. There's an appeal, an appeal among those who are assembled to try and give money to that worthy cause. It is expected that everyone present will raise their hand and pledge $250, $300, $360, $180, And every time someone, especially if someone who is of lower... uh, economic stature than you, lower strata, they raise their hand, they pledge $350, you feel embarrassed to offer $100. So you make this whole big pledge, and then after the speaker explains how worthy the cause is, one person raises his hand right away and says, $1. That's a cynic. He has taken steam out of the entire appeal. Pharaoh in Egypt, he was a cynic. He was a scoffer. His people suffered horribly from ten plagues, highly destructive. Then he says, let's go after them and catch them by the sea. He doesn't listen. That's a scoffer. The cynic is the one who derails the speaker's presentation. 
not because they disagree, but because they enjoy challenging and humiliating their fellow person. How productive would it be to criticize such an individual? Can you imagine such a person public confessing with remorse, oh, you're so right, and I'm so wrong. I wish I could have kept my rude and insolent comments to myself. As we all know, people do not like criticism. But this does not mean, yeah, 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 nor does it absolve us from offering it, as we shall explain in detail way down the road. Consider this irony. Anyone who's lost along the way will be very grateful to someone who can set them straight and point them in the right direction. But how about if you're making life decisions in the wrong direction and someone tries to set you straight? Invariably, they will encounter fierce opposition, as the verse says in Proverbs, and they will hate you. Rare is the individual who accepts criticism with love, as they would accept a compliment or a gift. Albeit the greatest gift that you can give a person is an improvement to their character. A person who is willing to accept criticism, says King Solomon, the wisest of all men, he calls that person a wise man. And by inference, we may deduce the one who does not accept with love is unwise. In a rather ingenious commentary based on this verse in Proverbs, suggested by the 17th century scholar, the Shlaha Kadosh, he writes, you're coming to criticize someone. Don't say or think that they are a scoffer, for this will cause them to hate you, and automatically they will never listen to what you have to say. If they'd only be a wise man, then they would be attentive. In fact, they would love you for the rebuke. Accordingly, what you should say is, you're really a wise individual, and give them a plethora of compliments. It's inappropriate, simply beneath your dignity, for an intelligent person like yourself to do things which are inappropriate to your wisdom and to your stature. Now you have created a playing field that is open for rebuke. If your criticism is not couched in compliments, and on the contrary, it's accompanied by deprecatory titles, you've guaranteed that he or she will never be attentive to your criticism. Another reason why people are not open to rebuke is because we are attached to what we are accustomed to. The desire not to change, not to change that which you're accustomed to, prevents people from accepting criticism. For if the critique leveled against you is correct, you're going to have to change something from your ordinary lifestyle, and therefore a person prefers to negate the critique for whatever possible reason. The 15th century scholar, the Ikrim, says that when a baby is born, he or she cries consequential to the fact that they detect they're in a new and different environment. They're no longer in the mother's womb. And the crying expresses its disagreement to the change. The undesirability to change what you're accustomed to, we often find people or spouses saying, what do you want from me? This is the way I am, or accept me for what I am. In other words, if something is going to change, it won't be me, it will have to be you. And by the way, this excuse, this is the way I am, is a good way to afford the benefit of the doubt. If we feel that this is a legitimate excuse for our own unacceptable behavior, then we should afford the same justification to our fellow person who acts undesirably. They should have acted differently, but they're trapped. This is the way they are. In our character podcast, we're never going to justify inappropriate behavior. But I mention this only as a method to judge someone favorably. 
Unfortunately, the very same excuse of people who say, this is the way I am, is also invoked to justify and legitimize aberrant behavior. In the non-aberrant behavior excuse department, I can relate a story which happened just this very week to my wife and myself. My wife informed me that all the outlets in one particular room in our apartment came out of the wall and we have to call an electrician to repair the situation. Now, although I have no electrical training, I figured how difficult could it be to install a few sockets? So I went to the hardware store, purchased the sockets, but my installation was going to require my wife's assistance because obviously when you're dealing with electricity, you don't want a live wire. So I pulled down all the circuit breakers. There was no more electricity and I needed her to shine a flashlight so I could see what I was doing. So I locate the wire and I locate the hole and I start tightening and managed to get the right wire into the right hole and it worked. And after I finished, I said to my, my wife, okay, now I'm going to undo everything which I just did and you can do it. He said, no way. I said, come on, it's not so difficult. And she said in total indignation, I'm not going to do this. I cannot do this. I will not be able to do this. Leave me alone. Now the educator within me really wanted to complete the lesson in electrical implementation 101. For after all, what would she do if I wouldn't be here to get this done? Uh, duh, what she would do is she'd call an electrician and pay an arm and a leg for inserting two wires into two holes and tightening. But I realized that this conversation could become a battle that I could not win, and it surely was not worth it. Even if I were to say to my wife, like we said earlier, give her all the compliments, that you are the Einstein of electricity, you are the one that Ben Franklin had in mind when he proved whatever he proved with the key and the kite and the electrical storm, and a thousand other compliments, she does not wish to crouch down on the ground and play with wires. And I did well for once by holding back my critique. When someone reads a book or a magazine or sees a film and the reader or the viewer identifies the problem being addressed as one that he or she suffers from, the reader does not angrily toss away the book or turn off the screen. And this is because the reader or viewer realizes that the writer was not writing at him or her directly. Hence, if criticism can be phrased generally without pinpointing the violator, the chance of it not being dismissed are greatly enhanced. In other words, instead of saying expletive, 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 why can't you get up in the morning, you lazy? Try. I just read a worldwide study that those who rise on time lead more productive and happy lives. Of course, if you say this and it's obvious that you're just trying to rebuke your husband in a more dignified way, it will not work. If you wish to criticize your spouse, your children, siblings, we're going to get to parents later on, you must carefully formulate the words so that they have a good chance of being absorbed and not being ignored or rejected. Criticism which is not well thought out, that which is shot from the hip, knee-jerk, is always negativistic and destructive. It's in the bosom of the family where the most criticism is aired and probably the place where it is the most ignored. And we're talking about the people that we are most beloved to us, the ones we care for the most, the ones that matter the most to us. So if we don't want to do this the right way, how sheep-brained and adolescent could this be? The criterion has to be, can my constructive criticism be productive in ensuring that the error that was made will not be repeated in the future? And in this regard, it must be diplomatically clarified 
how damaging the action was to the point that it brings the person to refrain from doing similar acts or making similar statements in the future. And in this regard, we can offer a rule of thumb. Because someone who has acted badly is more likely to change his behavior when the rebuke is delivered gently, if you find yourself looking forward to offering the criticism, don't speak up. Your motives are probably insincere, and your words are unlikely to sound loving. However, if the thought of what you need to say pains you, and you wish you didn't have to say it, then proceed. Your motives are probably sincere, and this will be clear to the person when you say something. Apparently, then, the commandment to admonish another person is best fulfilled by those who wish and least enjoy to do it. If the object of your critique is merely to critique the other person over something which has already occurred and not because you want to fix it for the future, then it is no longer legitimate. It serves no purpose other than being supercilious and obnoxious and lording over someone who has erred. This is akin to the Talmudic expression and the lesson. A person should always be careful that what they say should be pleasing to the other person, not hurtful, not gratuitous, not spiteful, but pleasing. A person who cares, people care very much about their honor and their self-dignity. Criticism is an honor buster. Generally, criticism is designed to highlight the faults and failings of the subject. Therefore, people will normally and naturally resist the critique. When you undermine the honor of an individual and you highlight there is a flaw in her behavior, you are implying that you are better than her. This is a very difficult feeling to live with. That's where we find that the most common reaction to criticism is, but you do the same thing, or you do this and you do that. This is a kind of counter-reaction that does not deal with the issue, but only explains why it, will, why it will not be heeded. In other words, the reaction is not on the point, and it's only a reaction to the competition that exists between the subject and the criticizer. But no matter how upset you are, restrict your expression of your anger to the incident that provoked it. As long as we keep our words focused on one incident, we are unlikely to say anything that will destroy our relationship. But when we depart from this rule and we use words like always or never, or we start recalling every occasion in which the other person has enraged us, we say things that are unfair and that destroy friendships and marriages. And you always do this, and then you dredge up everything. Always refrain from saying always and never. Once harsh words are said, the other person, while perhaps one day will be willing to forgive them, most likely they will never forget them. Accordingly, confine your criticism to a specific act. For example, I noticed you, and of course you must say this privately and with love, never, never in public. I noticed that you may I noticed you making fun of so and so while avoiding blank blanket statements such as you're always making fun of others. Critical generalizations demoralize the offender and make him defensive. Who would be willing to admit, oh gee, it's true, I'm a cruel person. I always make fun of others. Gosh, I never thought of that. Thank you so much. Why am Mussolini and Mao all wrapped up in one? I never thought of that. Why, I wake up in the morning and I see a human in the mirror blinded to the fact that it's really the devil. Oh, I'm so grateful. Thank you, thank you. Thanks for pointing that out. 
right? Nobody thinks this way. Explanations that frame the critique as a logical, indeed a loving reaction, are beneficial. However, explanations that justify, as it were, the critique and do not relate to the specific offense such as, you do this because this is what your parents do, or you do this because you feel no self-esteem, is never constructive. Generalizations are to be avoided. And you know that when you're in the verboten territory, when you say the words which we've already said, I guess, more than once, always and never. When you critique, you must focus on the actual wrongdoing and not what brought the person to do them. Your job, for which you're always, in any ways, underqualified, is you are not a therapist, you're not a psychoanalyst. You just care about your fellow person. You want them to improve. So focus on the one thing that was done wrong and incorrectly in the hope that in the future they will not err and make the same mistake. Thanks for listening to Teller from Jerusalem, where this series takes an intelligent and thought-provoking look at the past in order to acquire a perspective on the present. Spread knowledge by giving us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. Join us next time for a brand new episode and be sure to visit tellerfromjerusalem.com where you can find more details about the show and other useful information. Check out the site store and just by inserting TFJ code, you receive an additional 10% discount off the already very reduced prices of all Hanoch Teller products, books, lectures, and documentaries. And remember, don't forget, you can get Teller from Jerusalem on any podcast platform or go to tellerfromjerusalem.com.